And now it's time for Eastcast and reports from coastal stations. East Utsira, West Utsira, South West Utsira and North North East Utsira. Wind South West, rain at times, good. Forties, fifties, sixties, Tyne, Dogger, German Bite, French Kiss and Swiss Roll. Westerly becoming cyclonic, good. Right here in London's East End. Operating at any level, any time, anywhere, and with anybody. Who are they? One might be your secretary, your doctor's receptionist, or a dancer in a go-go club. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Now, now, now. Hello and welcome back to Eastcast here on Resonance 104.4 FM and DAB. Eastcast is a monthly delve into the arts, the culture and the community bubbling away in East London, but as always resonating way beyond. So wherever you're listening, good to have you with us. I'm Pearl Wise and I'm here alone this month, but accompanied by some fantastic guests. Later, I'll be speaking to Damien uh, Lazarus about his podcast, uh, Your London, London Legacy. We'll hear from the people behind the scenes at a newish cultural space in East London. Sorry, Steve Lazarus. Why did I say Damien? That's, I don't know, weird. It says Steve here. <laughs> Um, and um, uh, so we'll be hearing about a cultural space in East London called Poplar Union. And we have some talented young musicians, uh, Rosie Freighter-Taylor and Ruella Oloro, playing live later on. But first, let's meet Ginny Simpson from uh, Music in Detention and Shami Pithia, one of the musicians involved in this project. So I was first introduced to this organisation based at King's Place by Sarah Holly, a London-based artist and musician, who contacted me to say we must absolutely uh, find out about what you're doing so you're here <laughs> and um so Ginny Shami welcome um so before we find out more I thought we could listen to a first track made uh through this music and detention program uh, the first track is called fighting and it kind of sums up the situation I came from a country far, far away Where suppression and oppression are the order of the day Bare for my life, I took a long and dangerous road Travelling and searching for a safe place I landed myself in the UK Then locked up in the UK My dream has gone away Lord be my rescue To live a better life in the UK Why don't I do the freedom of freedom? The stress and depression is my friend I'm helping, helping, Just to leave this place We're fighting 
Oh Lord, help us, help us change. We're fighting for our freedom every day. We're fighting just to leave this place. We're fighting every, every day. Oh Lord, help us, help us change. Freedom is a must, we fight to live life We pray to God every day to ask for our freedom If you think you're strong, you will try putting on my shoes Then you will know what it means to be free I saw my brother talking, yeah, Ooh, yeah Freedom all we need, yeah, yeah Baba God, make you shine your blessing upon us May you give us the freedom, yeah, I say F-R-E-E-D-O-N, freedom only what we ask is in a day, freedom. My brother, not so, in a day, freedom. Yeah, okay. In a day, freedom. I got no time to spread myself out of frustration. But this nation, we got to stand together for freedom. Yeah, yeah. We stand together for freedom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're fighting for our freedom every day. We're fighting just to leave this place. We're fighting every, every day. Not free every day, you walk with a horns in a head. Tell me what you want to do in a place like this. You've been locked down, you've been stayed out. No freedom to your wife, to your children, to your family. Everybody would speak a sake in the world. We sang in this place and we cook in this place. We eat in this place and we jump in this place. There's no freedom. We beg for the freedom to come. So that was fighting made by um, detainees from the Hammondsworth Removal Centre. Is that correct? Um, so, Ginny, can you just explain what your what music in detention is? What what do you do? Okay, so music in detention is a charity. Yeah, we've been going for over ten years, and we work inside the UK's immigration system. Specifically, we go into immigration removal centres, and there's I think nine in the UK at the moment. One is for women, Yarlswood, the rest are for men. We go into those centres and we take with us artists, musicians, and those musicians then make tracks with detainees. And once they've made the tracks, they record them onto CD and we also put them onto our music player as well. Um, in addition to that, we do what are called community exchange projects, whereby the artists take the tracks that they've recorded in the immigration removal centres with the detainees out to a community group. The community group with the artists then continue to work on the material. The material then goes back to the immigration removal centre where the detainees work on the material. And then you have this process where the 
music goes backwards and forwards between two groups of people who begin to get to know about each other through the process of making work, but they never actually meet. At the end of that, we quite often have a sharing within the community space. We also have concerts at the Immigration Removal Centres where we work often in courtyards. And um, last year we started an artist residency programme, so we've had one artist in residence so far, which is Shami, who's here with us today, who worked at Harmonsworth Immigration Removal Centre. So, Shami, how did you... Why did you decide to get involved with this project? So, I've been um, working with music detention for, I think, around 10 years, actually, so Mm -hmm. it's, it's been some time. So I've been involved with most of the projects that Ginny's mentioned, from doing um, just one-day sessions or two-day sessions to uh, community exchanges, which normally last around six weeks. Um, but this program, the Artists in Residence program, was something new. We are looking at what the effect would be if there was just regular program sessions in the centre. How would that change the music? How would that be uh, for me as an artist? Um, and how would it? What, what sort of uh, benefits would it bring to the detainees? So um, I visit the centre once a week for a full day and ran two sessions the first session was based on live music so there's a there's a live music room there um and it's it's an open door policy so anyone can enter and they can play whatever they like so it can get pretty crazy um, and definitely loud you need good good earplugs after the second hour it's usually a three hour session but in that time is where we got all of our ideas and kind of seed material and then um, after dinner, I ran another session, which was based on music, um, music production. And this is where we kind of took whatever we started creating in the live session and we start kind of refining it and putting it down into some sort of structure, um, developing lyrics and so forth. And then um, I always took a lot of gear in with me. So then we'll start producing it and recording it. So the whole thing is just about making music with detainees, um, letting them kind of express whatever they want sometimes it's just fun and sometimes they they want to write a song to a family member or a loved one or just just express how they feel but i think no matter what the lyrics are about the benefits they get are generally the same so um the detainees always say they they feel so much more relief or there's there's less stress now and they've got things off their chest it's quite cathartic i think for them um, and also it's just a lot of fun in in a place and environment that can kind of sap a lot of joy and hope from you if you've been in there for a long time. So I think it's something that, from what I've found anyway from experience, that just brings a lot of um, happiness to people um, and helps them kind of deal with the situation they're in when you're not there. So what is a one of what are these centres like? Like, can can you describe? Yeah, what, what mm-hmm. are, they, are they like prisons? Are they? Yeah, I suppose you can start thinking of them like that, and then kind of tweak it. Um, so they're they're huge complexes. Yeah, like some are giant. I've I've never seen one in its entirety. Like they're they're massive. They've got different wings, and only different wings are allowed to kind of come into music room at certain times and so forth. Um, and then there's there's a lockdown period and then you know there's meal times and then there's times for doing activities um i think there's times for visits as well there's times for um using the internet and so forth which is monitored and there's a lot of restrictions and stuff um they can work in there 
um, for a very, very, very small sum of money. Um, so they don't have the liberties as you would outside. Like, you know, we can do whatever we mm. choose here. So they 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 have to abide by a schedule. Um, but also, it's an immigration removal centre. So by definition, the people in there are largely foreign or speak foreign languages. Mm. Um, many people do speak English, but you do find there's there is a population where English is not their first language. So people sometimes tend to stick with people of their own culture, which um, is usually fine, but sometimes that can bring its own tensions and stuff. Not because of any animosity, but just because people are living on top of each other 24 hours a day. In, yeah, which would in, drive anyone crazy. And like some in some centres, mm. there's five, 600 people. <coughs> so it's, you know, it's it's quite an intense environment to be in. And mm. when you go in there, you, you know, you can feel that straight away. It's, it's, it's very intense and things can... Um, take many different turns very quickly like it's just one minute you know everyone's going crazy over a football game then next minute it's just really quiet and it's it's just it's it's a very extreme pace i i find mm. and Ginny, um we don't often hear i think that there's a sort of ignorance about these centers mm-hmm. and um we don't often hear how people end up there as well. It just seems to be this secret thing that happens kind of without anyone knowing. And so can you explain, like, yeah. what the, pro- you know, is there a process? Okay. What happens? How do people end up in, in these I mean, centres? None of these people have been to court. That's not why they're in an immigration removal centre. So it's an administrative process. And the people that um, are in the immigration removal centres tend to be there for a number of different reasons. One might be that they are seeking asylum. Um, Another might be that they have overstayed their visa. There might be people, we've heard a lot about this recently, the Windrush generation. There are some of those people in immigration removal centres. And there are people who don't have English citizenship who have been in jail who then are going to be deported back to what's deemed to be their home country. So it's a sort of waiting place. Like it's, people are, exactly. are sitting there waiting for something to be processed, for some sort of administration to happen, to find And so they're sitting there and waiting and no one knows... No one knows while they're waiting where they're going to go and what's going to happen. Or how long they're going to be waiting for so a point i think that is worth making is that the uk is the only country in the eu where um you can be in an immigration removal center indefinitely so when you go in you don't know how long you're going to be there it could be two days we've met people that have been in centers for five years Mm -hmm. so it it sounds horrific but when you actually meet people then it, it really brings it home you know what i mean if you meet someone who's been in there for four or five years and you think about what you've done in the last four or five years on, and how much the world's changed. And this person still doesn't know when it, it could be another five years. It could be another two days. Nobody knows. It's just literally you get a phone call or an email or whatever the process is. And then the ball starts rolling. So, again, hence why it's such a stressful and intense place. Mm-hmm. And actually, a lot of detainees have said to me, like, I wish I was just in prison or something, because at least I know how long I've got and I can count down the days and, you know, make a plan towards it. But in this situation, people do live on a kind of knife edge of emotions because 
they just don't know what's going to happen that day. And I mean, I've been in sessions and it's like half past eight and someone gets released at that time. It's, you know, mm. I was in a session once and a phone call came during our session. This guy just started screaming when I was going on. He's like, I'm going home. So it's it's just, it's very random sometimes. And it's yeah. like, yeah. to live in that is, is quite, quite a lot, I think. And also this uncertainty often of being sent to a country that you might not, yeah, it might not be really your. It might be where you were born, but it might not necessarily yeah. be what you know or where your family sure. is. And, and so I think I'm, that must I've met be a lot incredibly of people stressful. Who, who left when they were like two years old or four years old, so they they can't remember a single thing about their home birth country. Um, yet they expected to go back there, mm. and it's um, again it's just it's quite mad. Should we hear another track? So th- this one's called the system. <laughs> I live a dream and say when I'm awake Win, 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 that's my motto When I run, run it, don't try to follow Every day I got asked which way but they don't know Who knows, cause I don't know Only Lord knows, forgive me oh Lord Or forget my sins, sins of a hustler Selling water to a fisherman But the fisherman selfish Who's the next on the list? Fighting for my life, I'm like I'm fighting with the beast. I ain't gonna back down. I gotta win, 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 win. That's my motto. I gotta win, 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 win. I gotta win, 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 win. That's my motto. I gotta win, 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 win. That's my motto. Theresa May is the one to blame, she messed up The government's making money of my smart head Of my baby mama struggling to eat a slice of bread Oh Lord, why I beg you to lift my spirits up Cause tomorrow is my promise, I could never flop Money has never been a problem in my mind I do the dirty work, I know how to grind Damn it, the system is the blight Damn it, the system is the blight This people about to put me on a plank I can't understand it, all I want to do is live I try to add one plus one but can't find two I question sometimes what am I meant to do I question my position, hoping that life that I find my composition This is how I feel 
That was the system um, produced by uh, detainees for the Music and Detention Project. Uh, Ginny, do you want to just tell us if people want to listen to more music, if they want to get involved, what what should they do? So, so I'd, I'd like to plug. We've got a music player on our website, and if you go onto our website, which is www.musicindetention.org.uk then you can go to the music player and you can listen to tracks that have been recorded in immigration removal centres across the country. And you can also listen to um, an album which has been put together by Shami and the detainees in Harmonsworth from his residency, which is called Residence. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to ask Shami to just say a couple of words about some of the detainees that he has met in immigration sure. removal centres and about them as people and them as musicians sure so I've, I've i was just saying i've met so many detainees over the years that are exceptional musicians you know far far more talented than i am and they come from all corners of the world so to bring their own instruments with them sometimes or or just play an instrument that you happen to play as well but yeah i think sometimes we forget that these people all had lives before right. detention yeah um, and actually, some of those lives are incredible. So um, I think on the CDs and some of the music makes we 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 had the opportunity to highlight that, which is always for me one of the most special special things where someone has the ability to play again or make music again because it's so dear to people. Um, yeah. Great. Thank you so much, Ginny Simpson and Shami Pithia. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And we will be listening out for more music from you. Thank you. Brilliant. Um, Now, if anyone is familiar with Poplar and Limehouse in London's East End... You may have noticed that there are new buildings that are popping up like mushrooms at an astonishing rate in, um, as this area undergoes massive redevelopment. Alongside all the new apartment blocks, there are also some exciting new cultural spaces. Um, and I went to visit, visit the multifaceted centre and community hub, Poplar Union. I'm Libby and this is Poplar Union and we are an arts and community venue in Poplar just by Limehouse Cup Canal and Bartlett Park and we opened in January 2017 um, and we basically run a diverse arts programme for the local community. We do everything from kind of health and wellbeing classes to theatre, live music, comedy, workshops, kids' events, film screenings, everything. We're kind of enjoying the fact we're kind of a hidden gem and we're playing on that a bit and want to be that place where people come and go, wow, didn't know this was here, it's amazing you do all this stuff here. And because we're the only kind of art centre in this space, I think that's kind of a good thing for us because we don't have any kind of competition around us. We're still working on building our brand and building our audience, but I think it's just going to take a bit more time. We have our office at the back, 
with a gallery, a kind of a community gallery space beside us. And then if you walk around, you have Betty, which is our big studio space, and that's where we have big performances like live music and theatre. And then we've got a big partition wall that basically divides Betty and our kind of library space. So you can move it to make it into one huge space or you can close it off. And then the library is attached to the cafe and run by E5 Roasthouse. And we programme things in there. So we have a thing called Live in the Library, which is a Friday night acoustic music night and E5 sell pizza on that night. We have it as an exhibition space as well, so our in-house art director, Paolo, exhibits local artists in the library as well. And then you have E5, Roast House Cafe, and they're open every day, and they roast all their coffee on site and use all the bread that's baked at E5 Bakehouse their sister cafe. We're in um, E5 Roast House, which is a cafe in Poplar, and it's a big cafe, and there's a roastery machine here for the coffee, and there's a great kitchen as well, and we do food in the week and weekend, but the weekend's brunch. It's all Middle Eastern style food. I'm Hannah, I'm the chef here. I was a barista with the bakery when it first opened and then I got into the food and now I'm kind of head chef here. We got so busy at the bakery and they were buying so much coffee in. This opportunity came up as a space to roast coffee, but also we'd be doing refugee classes of training and we wanted to make a product with the refugees and we did flatbreads. And they cook them in there brilliantly for a wholesale customer and then they do that several times a week and then we make a menu around that with, with the flatbreads. Well, today we did shawarma lamb, slow-cooked lamb, with all the spices under the sun, really. And then with that, we did a bulgur salad, always loads of herbs, nuts. And then we did a white bean, parmesan and cabbage stew with pumpkin. And then we did a dal soup, which was vegan. We've got a Sri Lankan chef. A lady from Pakistan, she does curries, and then we've got the Ethiopian food on Friday. So it's a really mixed bag. And we always have toasties, which are really popular. We still try and incorporate the bread. So all the, the bread comes from E5 Bakery? Yeah, they come every day and deliver fresh bread, and we deliver them coffee. It's, it's an incredibly diverse group of people that come here. And there's a lot of mothers, actually, still coming out for lunch and stuff, but they do lots of interesting workshops here and it's a sort of safe community space and I would say it's completely different to E5. There it's almost like a canteen and there's a huge team of staff here. The food is it's a bit more delicate, I would say. It's a bit more like a restaurant, but it's not a restaurant. And we can cater for people's needs a bit because I can see who's coming in and if they don't want something, we can change it. Whereas there, it's just too busy. It's a bit more personal here. I'm Beth, I'm the Director of Programming at Poplar Union, so that encompasses our theatre, community, health and wellbeing, film, comedy, pretty much everything we do apart from music, because I have a lovely colleague called Will, who is our music programmer. When I first started, I started exclusively working as a theatre programmer, that's my background, and very quickly, because of 
staffing resources and things like that I now wear many hats but my original sort of vision focusing especially on this being an art centre was the importance of making the arts generally but using theatre as a kind of vehicle accessible that was a huge that was probably my biggest focus really it's a bit of a personal battle around sort of taking theatre and the arts more broadly off a, a bit of a pedestal especially in London so whether that's sort of making work that is financially accessible with how we ticket our shows accessible in that it's not considered sort of too highbrow or too exclusive but also finding work and that's expanded now beyond just our theatre programming but also I know Will does this with music and then especially with our community programming but finding and sort of presenting work that actually speaks to the community and is as diverse in our program as our community who will hopefully come along and enjoy that program so that was probably my biggest sort of stimulus for everything that I program is, is this relevant? Is this just sort of programming for programming's sake? Who is benefiting from this and how can we make it accessible? That in turn opened up a big strand of artist development work and quite a big amount of our programming is working with people from the community, so not just outsourcing artists and um, facilitators and creative people who come from all over and just bringing them here, but really understanding who is in the community. We would do sort of resident nights where we'd open the doors and say, everyone, just come in, tell us what you want from us. And often off the back of that, people would say, oh, I'm a sort of craft artist I do sewing classes can I come and do that and those are people that we've had a relationship with now since we opened and the same with our theatre so we often program work that will come through either offering artists sort of in-kind or free or subsidized rehearsal space so they're using this building to actually develop their own practice which then leads to them showing their work publicly so really giving people a platform across all phases of our programming so artist development and yeah genuine and sincere community practice is probably at the heart of what we do and these four walls in your single bedroom in your five person flat share an hour and a half from where you work is the only space you can actually call your own and even though the rent is 50% of your salary you're grateful for that I'm Dan Simpson I'm a spoken word artist a writer and a performer Uh, we are currently at Poplar Union and so what are you doing here I am currently working on my new show which is called Avocado Economics Uh, it's about the housing crisis and overpriced brunch and avocados of course and I'm working on the show I'm basically kind of rewriting devising working with performance and voice coaches to just make the show a lot better and the last four hours i've been working with a voice and movement coach i've been running around the room shouting lines out which is a real novel experience for me i'm I'm usually a poet so i kind of have my poems in my head i stand up i do my poem i have a bit of a chat with the audience and that's fine the piece i'm making now is kind of pushing me more into kind of theater and yeah it's a different way of being so i'm kind of working with people who are more experienced with that to kind of push myself into making a higher quality piece of art I suppose so yeah so it's been invaluable really as a you know an artist sometimes it's who's there to support you you know I've been really lucky that Poplar Union have always um, since their kind of inception really have been really kind and given space to help out uh, in the development of the show somewhere like London if you were hiring rooms to rehearse in you'd be spending so much money which could be better used on creating art and, and you know engaging people and so yeah Poplar Union have been really kind enough to 
yeah help out by giving over some space um, to help make the project happen your resources your combined incomes will make this process so much easier choose an up and coming location my name's rachel and i'm administrator here and i live in the area too just around the corner i've been a local resident here in poplar for about seven years now but before that i was on the isle of dogs so i've always been in east london so i have seen it change quite a lot so in the seven years that you've lived in poplar, poplar. specifically what was there to do when you first arrived I had my child, um, he was six months at the time, and I just moved from Wapping to Poplar, I did a mutual exchange for a, from a one bedroom to a two. And I, I didn't really know Poplar too well, so I kind of felt quite isolated, and my support network I left behind. Then the children's centre got in touch, and then I started doing things with the children's centre, then you get to meet other mums. Then when you go to nurseries, you meet other mums and then they become your friends. But it was hard at first because I lost my support network because I don't have any family in London either, so it's quite lonely. Mm. It's a busy place, but it's a lonely yeah. place. So a lot of young mums come here to this cafe, I've noticed. Yeah. So when you were a young mum, was, was there anywhere to sort of just to hang out? Not really. Once, Well, me and my friend, we used to drop the the baby's off to nursery and then go to the cafe in Chris Street so and have our breakfast and a little chat and then we had to get back on the bus to go and pick them up because they're only there half day but yeah we didn't really have much things to do there's just two there's two cafes in Chris Street that I don't think there's any on the Isle of Dogs so it's quite nice here now that we've got that big space where people can meet up have coffees get a lot of parents in the cafe now as well yes For more information about Poplar Union, just go to www.poplarunion.org. You're listening to Eastcast on Resonance 104.4 FM and DAB. Don't forget you can get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook at Eastcast Show. And you can listen again to our interviews and music online on iTunes or Spotify. Um, just search for Eastcast Show London. And of course, everything is on eastcastshow.com. So now with me is Steve 
uh, Steve Lazarus, who uh, launched his podcast. I've obviously got Not a problem David. with your name. Um, your London Legacy um, in July, and has, uh, it's been going strong, releasing fortnightly episodes. Welcome, Steve. Uh, we're now doing weekly episodes. Oh, you're yeah, now doing weekly. Yeah. Every, okay, Every Monday morning. Oh, my goodness. So um, it's almost like a full-time job then. Uh, you could say it's nearly a full-time job, yeah, but I've got to squeeze it in between the, uh, the job that pays the bills. Yeah, of course. Um, why did you decide to start a podcast they seem to be like the new blog now that people people have to have a podcast yeah well it wasn't quite like that in my case I was um, unfortunately laid up in hospital um, following two back operations around about Easter last year um, so I was in for one planned operation which uh, and that went wrong unfortunately and I had to go back in for more major surgery and I was laid up for roughly two weeks and I was just completely flat on my back and I couldn't move so what do you do when you can't move? And you've got to find some form of entertainment. So I started listening to audio books and podcasts. And that's how I got into enjoy- the enjoyment of podcasts, because you can then find anything of interest to you. Uh, and when I came out of hospital, I was pretty passionate about finding out more about podcasts and how I could use that initially to my advantage as a marketing tool for my business. And my business is completely different to what I do in podcasts I do with insurance claims on a day-to-day basis. So I did some research online and I found um, the British partner of one of the top American podcasters, a guy called John Lee Dumas, who is massive in America. He's got multi-million pound business wrapped around the podcast and he <coughs> he interviews uh, entrepreneurs. So I thought, well, I can do something similar for my business. But having spoken about it and gone through this with my mentor, I decided, well, it's pretty dull, really, to do something around my business. I want to do something which I'm passionate about. So we spoke through all the various ideas, and we came up that my work is based in London. I spend most of my time interviewing people in connection with my job, so why don't we do something around that? And so the idea of your London legacy was born. And so what is your London legacy? What's the theme? So the idea behind your London legacy, the subtitle, if you like, is telling the timeless stories of London's hidden personalities, because there's lots of um, famous people and well-known celebrities, if you like, in London who get all the airtime. Um, but my view is, uh, and we've just heard it just now with the, the guest you had on before, there's people in London doing amazing things with amazing stories. You don't get the publicity and the air of publicity um, that, that they deserve. And they've got wonderful stories and that I wanted to dig deep into their personal stories and find out all the good things they're doing in London, for London and around London. And that's, that's how it developed. And you've got completely, you know, anonymous people that no one would have heard of, but you've also got a few people that have had a bit of a media line. Yeah, I think they've all got some following, in, if you like, in a sort of niche market. Um, so, for example, one of the early um, guests we had on the show was a, a chap called Lal Hardy. Now, if you're into tattoos uh, and you know a little bit about tattoos and being inked, then which I wasn't initially, and I don't have any tattoos, by the way, although I am tempted now, you you will know about Lal Hardy because he is one of the top tattooists in the country, let alone London, and he's been tattooing all the all the artists, all the pop pop stars th- throughout the cultures, from punks to mods to you know all the modern day sort of rap artists and also pop st- um, football stars as well. So he's particularly well known. He's got a huge following on social media. Um, so he's well known. There's other people who are well known in their specific sort of niche areas. Um, but I want to get their stories out beyond that and mm. into the wider area. So one of those people is Johnny Benjamin, Indeed, who yeah. who has become well known 
kind of by accident, yeah. um, but you know, the almost for the wrong reasons. For the wrong reasons. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you want to just explain who he is? Well, I, I came across Johnny Benjamin because several years ago, um, many years ago, in fact, my parents um, set up a mental health charity um, because my sister fell ill many years ago um, with a mental health problem, uh, and she's still she is still uh, unwell. And it was through that that Johnny Benjamin came to speak at one of the one of our. Uh, annual dinners. The charity's called Jamie, so I'll give them a quick plug. Uh, he came to speak as one of the guest speakers at, at an annual dinner, uh, and his story unfolded. Now, what happened in his story was he became unwell himself about 10 years ago, and he took himself off uh, one bitterly cold winter's morning to Waterloo Bridge uh, with the job he was going to do the unthinkable and basically throw himself in. He, he couldn't cope anymore with his life. And this guy was walking past uh, on his way to work and extended a hand of friendship and said, let's go for a coffee, you don't have to do this. And he saved Johnny Benjamin. Now, after that, the guys parted ways, um, but Johnny wanted to find out who this guy was because he didn't know who he was. So they then followed... I'm condensing the story a lot yeah, here. They then yeah, yeah. followed something called um, Hashtag Find Mike, which was the story... Um, the social media went viral, how Johnny tried to find his his hidden, what he called his stranger on the bridge. And many years later, he found him. Channel 4 made a documentary on, on it. Um, and uh, they got together, and now they're doing amazing work, uh, not just in London, but all around the country and around the world, in fact, for going into schools and talking about mental health and raising raising the awareness. So should we hear Johnny's voice? Yeah. Yes, please, yeah. On a bitterly cold winter's morning, you're walking across Waterloo Bridge on your way to work. As you reach the midway point over the grey, fast-flowing Thames, something unusual catches your eye. You notice the figure of what appears to be a young man holding onto the railings on the wrong side. Hundreds of busy commuters pretend not to see what's right in front of their eyes. Some know what is going on, but don't know what to do, or internally question whether to get involved or not. One man stops to see if he can help. This is the story of The Stranger on the Bridge, of how two totally unconnected worlds collide and changed both forever. I'm Steve Lazarus, and this is Your London Legacy. Sunday the 13th of January, 2008. I can't stay in this place, but I can't stay at home. I'm just going insane. Why can't they just declare me insane? That's what I am. God, why on earth did you put me here? My mind won't be still... Why give me this brain, this, this pained and agitated brain? I'm back at square one, in the mess I came in. Take out these veins of mine, and stop the blood flow to my head. Then maybe all the voices will go to sleep, and I will fall into my bed. Wow, so, I mean, that's pretty... I mean, to hear you actually read that yourself, I've read that poem, that diary entry, myself in your book, and it's, it's tough to read, even for me, but to sit here with you, Johnny... Hearing you read that gets me very emotional. Mm. So I don't, I don't know how you feel reading that now. If I'm completely honest, it kind of feels like it was someone else that wrote that, if that makes sense. A lot of my old diary entries, I read them back and it's like it wasn't me. It's very strange. It's, it's very strange. It feels like, yeah, it was someone else that wrote them. You know, because I am in a, a, a different place now. So it's, yeah, it feels very strange. 
So um, that was an excerpt, and you can hear the whole thing can, yeah. um, on your London Legacy. I guess wherever people get podcasts from, they can they can find it, and also on your website. Correct. Um, who? What other types of people have you spoken to? Oh, crikey! Well, um, I don't know if you're playing a clip later, but we've, uh, I interviewed the, a wonderful lady, young lady called Jamala Osman, who I I went to see um, TEDx London talks in the summer. And they had a whole array of wonderful speakers. And during one of the intervals, I went up and uh, introduced myself to some of them. Uh, and Jamala just stood out. She's got this incredible story of growing up uh, on the east side of London, getting involved with gang culture and drugs. Her mother died, unfortunately, when she was very young. Her father threw her out. So she had this terrible start to life, a really rough upbringing. And yet she managed to turn her life around with the help of uh, one of her teachers, who she talked about in the interview, and went on to become one of the youngest ever Barclays Bank managers in the city. Wow. Which is an incredible story, yeah. and I recommend everyone go and listen to it if they can. Yeah. And she's doing amazing things herself. She's now giving back and marrying up people, who, you know, youngsters who are struggling in life, and trying to match them up with jobs and careers and, and give back. And she's involved in many different aspects, even on government committees now as well. So we haven't got time to play That's that, okay. but um, I suggest people just go and listen. And and I think what's great is having these kind of long form conversations where people are really just allowed to uh, meander through their story, um, you know, with the help of questions. And I don't know about you, but when I do those kind of interviews, I think it's kind of therapeutic on both sides. Absolutely. There's definitely some, you know, I think there's this, there's something to be said about um kind of active listening and this kind of these kind of long focus conversations where people are just you're giving your full attention to yeah, somebody absolutely in fact the some of the podcasts i was listening to in hospital were, were short q a type formats uh and there was another one i listened to by uh, another very big uh, american podcaster called james altucher who does very long detailed in depth rather uh not, I don't call them interviews. I call them just conversations because yeah. I don't want them to be q and I want them just the story to unfold and for people to, to offload their, their story in a natural, um, informative uh, way so that we can all benefit. But you're quite right. A lot of the guests come back to me afterwards, uh, straight afterwards or by email and say, that was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. I've, I've said things I've never actually said or thought about before. And that, that's what I want to get their, their story behind the story. So have you become a kind of people collector now every time you're you, you know you see you hear somebody um, has done something interesting or you you know you you bump into someone it's like oh you would be good yeah, for my absolutely podcast. and as i said that the, the guys who are on before uh, Ginny and chammy i mean they're they're prime prime prospect for, for the sort of storytelling that i'm into um yeah very much so because everybody's got a story to tell um whether they believe it or not and that is how we communicate um by telling each other stories that's that's what makes us who we are so i'm always on the lookout for interesting people and in london you've got eight million londoners they're all around us it's very true so just to remind everyone um it's your london legacy you are steve lazarus that's me i got it right that's it. not damien <laughs> not damien um secret brother somewhere maybe um thank you so much for coming that's on and yeah just i suggest that people go and ha- listen to your podcast and now that it's weekly there's just going to be more and more there's more we've got yeah. plenty booked in right through to the new year fantastic thank you so much thank you um so now um we are joined uh by patricia pascal 
who represents uh, talented young jazz musicians under the collective Jazz Young Blood, Patricia. Uh, you've been on the show before, but can you tell us what um, Jazz New Blood is? Like, <laughs> yes, yes, very quickly, very so, quickly, yes. <laughs> well, basically, Jazz New Blood is a platform where I promote and shout about you know all the amazing young, talented uh, young musicians, young composers, young improvisers that are working in in the UK and we focus on London. You can you can you can see a whole of what we do at jazznewblood.org which is our base. So everything we do is there. You can go there and and check it out. And I've noticed just in the past year, I mean it's kind of bubbling up on um just uh, more kind of uh, general media, but there is something very exciting happening with the kind of new generation of yeah. jazz musicians, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know that's been picked up on a little bit. That there's this kind of lots of uh, crossing of cultures. There's a buzz. There's a buzz. Yeah, there's there a buzz. is. There is. And I, the the thing interesting is that the buzz is or the focus is now put on younger musicians, which in the past they were kind of you know. Jazz was always order. seen as like an old, yeah, for exactly, old people. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So they are basically bringing new blood, you know. It's like a transfusion of new blood into jazz, which is amazing. And they are kind of changing the face of at least of what we thought about jazz in the UK. So it's Yeah, and it's, it's a very different sound to what we're used to. There's something yeah, quite fresh. Yeah, it's a more mixed sound mm. because what happens is that, you know, these young musicians, they, they study, they are supported, uh, you know they are natural improvisers, but they also have a background. And obviously, London is such a diverse place. You know, people come, have loads of different ancestors. You know, and and so it's like they they have this language. They are very skilled in this jazz language, but they want to mix it with their own roots. You know, with the things that they feel talks about them. You know, where they can create a unique voice. I guess. That's so, the thing. So what what are we going to hear first? So now we're going to hear Rosie Freta Taylor. So she's an amazing uh, singer-songwriter, and she just released her first EP. She's 19. Uh, and, yeah, Rosie. <laughs> It seems to be a lot of by way to me to sleep. I cry for the dreams show to me all so monstrous things and
all the time, dreaming all the night. The time and time it takes you to abide. And oh, 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 oh it's time to sleep. Goosebumps, yes, pretty amazing. Um, let's move swiftly on because we're running out of time. Actually, what I'm going to do is um, tell people about your concert. Mm -hmm. So that's on the 24th of November, of November. Part of London Jazz Festival, Jazz New Blood Alive 2018. And they go, they can go to jazznewblood.org. There's all the information is there, eclectic um, near Waterloo, and it's between two and eight thirty in the evening. Great. Yep. And so I'm just going to do our kind of signing off because I think um, Ruella Aloro is going to play us out. Yes, so, Ruella. <laughs> She's a pianist, um, multi-instrumentalist, uh, composer, 20 years old. Great. So I'll just say um, goodbye. And East Coast will be back on Resonance 104.4 FM with more sounds and stories from East London and beyond. In the meantime, you can find everything on eastcastshow.com. So thanks for listening and over to Ruella Aloro.